Welcome back to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, part of TalkNorth.com. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thank you for listening. Best way to listen to all the shows at the network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. And thanks to our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. Jeff, of course, the former Vikings general manager, former president of the Tennessee Titans, now works in the media and with agencies. Uh, Great perspective on all things football. We're going to talk about Kirk Cousins and the Netflix special. We're going to talk about Jefferson and Hunter and Cook and DeAndre Hopkins. But let's just start today with Jim Har- Jim Marshall becoming a semifinalist uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, do you have any optimism that he actually makes it in, and do you think he's deserving? Well, I definitely think he's deserving, Jim. You talk about a player at, at the defensive end spot with the longevity and durability that, that Jim had and never missing a start and – playing hurt and 200 and whatever, 250 plus consecutive games on a championship level team. So I, I would love to see him get in and have him get in while, while he's still alive it would be really nice <clears throat> compared to some of the players who have gotten in in the past. And I, I've just got such great personal memories with Jim Marshall, even going back to my first season with the Vikings back in the seventies. And, and he was, he was such a, such a, a nice person and great personality. And I just, I remember him being very kind to a 22 year old assistant PR director at, at training camp in, Man- in Mankato when I first met him. <clears throat> the, my other big memory of, of Jim and of course, I've seen him many times in recent years too, and just not in quite as great a health as he used to be. But I remember when he retired, and in the press conference, it was the first time I ever saw Bud Grant cry, mm. and it just kind of spoke to the level of respect that he had for Jim as the team captain and as a durable player. And and Bud, of course, always talked about durability being the greatest asset for a player, uh, whether it was Marshall or Tarkenden or Paige or Eller, whoever it was. And that was a very memorable day that always sticks in my mind uh, when, when Jim actually did finally retire. But a, a great player. And I think he was underrated because he played on an, a defensive line with Alan Page and, and Carl Eller, two Hall of Famers. Uh, what's the best argument for Jim as a player? Other than, uh, obviously, the durability is incredible, and I think that is probably the best argument, that he was great, great for a long time and great every game. Uh, what, in terms of his skill or his, uh, his skill set, I guess, would recommend him as a Hall of Famer? Well, I think he still is a player with, with uh, I don't know the number of career sacks he had, but it was way up there. There's a lot. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> and and also playing the run and just being a, a, a every down guy that that brought it all the time. And, and just I think his leadership, too, is what separates him in terms of, of being the defensive captain on a, on a team that went to went to four Super Bowls and unfortunately didn't win any. But but he was just a, a great football player and. I think that that's what the qualification should be for the Hall of Fame. And I understand other people may have had more sacks and may have 
been more dynamic in terms of as a total player. But Jim Marshall, he's the Hall of Famer, and there's no doubt in my mind. Uh, good stuff. I'm glad we brought. I'm glad we got to talk about that. Let's shift to something completely different now. I have not watched it yet. You have, so you get to give me a movie review, basically, of the uh, the new Netflix documentary that highlights NFL quarterbacks, including Kirk Cousins. Uh, what what did you think of it? How did it strike you? Well, I think you're going to love it because you're such a big Patrick Mahomes fan, too. Yes. And, and, of course, he is one of the focal points, along with Kirk and Marcus Mariota. I, I think what really makes this an interesting show is, of course, you, you've got NFL Films, which does a fantastic job of getting inside interviews and, and footage and all that, and, and just the way that they progress. I've only watched the first two episodes so far, and the first episode starts with a segment where he's talking with his son about why quarterbacks now can no longer be hit uh, at the knee level and, and uh, talks about t- the Tom Brady rule. And he said, and I'm forever grateful. It's kind of a cute scene with his son. Uh, those kind of inside things that NFL films can get and just stuff in the, in the meeting rooms. And, and it kind of shows you a good inside look at, at Cousins and a, a view into his personality and character. I think we saw a lot more of that last year with the Kirk and chains and all that, that his personality really came out compared to the very vanilla Kirk that we saw the first four years here in Minnesota. But there are a lot of, a lot of scenes. For example, there's a scene where he's outside his house after the Vikings beat the Lions in week three in the come from behind win a big win after after they open with the big win over Green Bay, the arch rival. Then they go to Philadelphia, get blown out, and it's a bad game for Kirk. He throws three picks and talks about having to put it in the rearview mirror, bounce back. And then the Detroit game where there was the one play where he misses K.J. Osborne wide open deep and – he, he's talking after the game. Of course, he came back and ended up hitting KJ for the winning touchdown. But after after the game, he's outside his house at, at kind of a little bonfire they had in their backyard. And he's talking to the camera about just how he beats himself up. And, and when he misses throws like the one to Osborne, it, it just eats at him. And that he's still on a quest to figure out how he can fulfill his potential as a player and a person while not driving himself crazy. And, and he, and he says it's a miserable place to live because you're not going to be perfect, but that's the standard you set for yourself. It's, it's really kind of a, a very candid Kirk moment. And I think we've seen some of that before where he is very honest and, and talks about the struggles and, obviously the challenges of being an NFL quarterback and, and Peyton Manning talks about that. He's the executive producer of the show. He talks about it. Mahomes talks about it. And, and there's just really, really cool stuff in this show with the family and, and with the wives and, and Mahomes just, there was a great segment in episode two where they're kind of talking about his off schedule throws. And you and I talk about that all the time, Jim, how amazing it is, how he can contort his body and make these crazy sidearm throws. And 
he talks about it and his his trainer personal trainer and quarterback coach talk about how they kind of do drills to to turn his body all kinds of different ways and and so it's not something that he doesn't practice because he does practice these crazy throws that he makes in the game and which obviously has separated him and made him the best quarterback in in the league and one of the best of all time but i i think what's really cool about this show it shows three quarterbacks that are kind of at different levels you've got mahomes the best in the game super bowl champion twice mvp twice you've got kirk cousins a very good quarterback high level player trying to get over that playoff hump and that prime time hump and all those type of things that that he's criticized for but still a very good player and and last season of course such a magical season for him and for the Vikings until the finale, which of course we haven't got, I haven't gotten to that episode yet where they lose the playoff game to the giants and the season ends with a thud, but I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how he reacts to that, to the cameras in these candid moments. And, and then you got Marcus Mariota, a former number two overall pick in the draft, lost his job in Tennessee, went to Atlanta, ends up losing his job in Atlanta to Desmond Ritter and, and just kind of the ups and downs of a quarterback. And it, it kind of resonated with me, the show, from the standpoint of the highs and lows that you get in, in pro sports and really in any sport. And, and that I felt, too, when I was competing as, as, a, as a player, whether it was in, in college soccer or whether it was whatever I was doing, and, and also as a team executive, I felt those highs and lows and that roller coaster that you're on and how you, you just play back, the, especially the losses that just eat at you, such as, of course, the 98 NFC Championship game with Atlanta. But then yet a year later, I'm in the Super Bowl with the Titans and, and just that, that roller coaster that I was on in those two years. And, and I kind of relive that when I watch what happens with these players in, in a show like this. And, and then of course my roller coaster ended up in the Super Bowl, and we lose a half yard away to the Rams. So <laughs> it's just a, a really interesting show. I, I encourage people to watch it just whether you're a football fan or whether you're a fan of sports in general or just life, because that's what it's about. Well, you've sold me. And it's funny because Jeff, I, I feel like, you know, as someone who covers all sports, I watch so many games on TV, so many games in person. I get, I don't get burned out, but I don't go around looking for extra TV shows about sports or movies. I, I don't generally don't watch sports movies or documentaries because I get enough of that stuff and I know what it's like behind the scenes. Uh, this, this actually intrigues me because quarterbacks are different. It is the most important position, the most pressurized position, the most difficult position in American pro sports. And the people who play it are almost fascinating by default because of what they have to deal with. Yeah, and that's one of the things Peyton Manning says in the beginning of the show is that it is the toughest position in sports and and just that you're under the microscope all the time and you're playing in, oftentimes in difficult weather against defensive linemen trying to knock you out and so it's just and, and some of the some of the shots that they have of of the hits that players like Cousins and Mahomes take, it it it's painful to watch. 
and there was one hit in the Washington game, and they had a, a really good segment on, on Kirk going back to Washington to face his former team last year. And, and again, another come from behind victory and, and how meaningful that was for him to, to go back to Washington. But he takes a hit from, from Darren Payne, and and he's down on the ground, and, and we remember he was out for a play, and it, it, it's just you can feel it <laughs> as you kind of watch that moment. But but you also like there's a couple of good shots of, of of Patrick with his dad, and I know you're a big fan of his dad, and he talks about how he wanted to be a baseball player like his dad was, and and I I think you're going to really enjoy that that particular segment when he talks about his dad and baseball, and and that really some of these off schedule throws that he makes are kind of intrinsic from his baseball background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Middle infielders have to contort themselves. At least they used to back when you could slide hard in second base uh, players. used to have to be able to contort themselves to make throws. And you see that in Mahomes all the time. Uh, it's funny. I feel like Jeff, I feel like I should be completely sick of Peyton Manning. He's everywhere. He's on every commercial. <laughs> yeah. He's on Monday night football. He's now putting out documentaries. He's he, is relentless. He shows up everywhere, and I, but I'm not sick of him. He's actually he's actually funny. He's funnier than some comedians, and he, and and he's also what I love about the Monday Night thing with him and Eli is it's it's to me what a broadcast should be. It's experts who aren't afraid to say, "Oh, that was a stupid play call," or "Oh my God, what are they doing there?" I hate when they do that. I, I mean, it, it's it's so natural that I. Frankly, I can't get enough of Peyton Manning, even though I think I should ha- have already gotten enough out of Peyton Manning. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And and uh, I got to know Peyton through Archie, who, of course, had played with us for the Vikings. And and so I, I got to know Peyton over the years and, and w- when I was with the Titans and we played the Colts twice a year. And, and he's really a, a good guy and, and met Eli a couple times, too, through Archie. And, and Eli kind of a, a more understated, but yet he's, he's kind of humorous too <laughs> on that show, on the Monday night show. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's fun to watch those guys. And Peyton does not take over this show, quarterback show with, with Mahomes, Cousins, and Mariota. He's really more in the background, chimes in, does a little bit of narration, but he does not take over the show, at least so far in the first two episodes. And I think that's good because it really should be the focal point should be on these other three guys. Quick story: uh, when the Super Bowl was in town, my wife was walking through the Skyway, and she see and here come Peyton, Peyton and Eli just wandering around the Skyway. You know, no security guards, anything, just wandering around looking for a place to get a bite to eat. And uh, they basically are passing each other in the Skyway. And my wife looks over and says, "Hi, Eli." And Peyton like throws his hands up in the air and rolls his eyes, like, "Why would I would just say hi to Eli, not me?" <laughs> that, that is a great story. <laughs> that's funny, and that and that's typical Peyton too. <laughs> All right, let's get to some uh, Vikings business, some Vikings news. First, we want to thank our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore dot com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. And the White Bear Lake Superstore Buick GMC with my longtime friend, owner Paul Rubin, general manager Charlie Gutrell. <clears throat> They're a fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one value in Buick GMC Dior, six years running with the best selection in their super-friendly premium team. Check out their great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. You'll see 0.9% APR with a $1,250 trade assistance on Sierra 1500s, 2.49% APR on 2022 and 2023 Buick SUV models, 
including the Encore GX Preferred, 1.9% APR on GMC Acadias, plus no monthly payments for 90 days, and introducing the new 2024 Encore GX. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. Visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Once again, thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thank you for listening. Again, if you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. And if you like any other shows at TalkNorth.com, including the Viking Update show, uh, please subscribe. Just It makes everything easy for everyone. And uh, again, we do appreciate it. All right, let's get into uh, – we're now getting dangerously close to the start of training camp. We're talking here on Thursday morning, July 13th. Uh, and Jefferson and Hunter are Jefferson hasn't gotten his extension done. Daniel Hunter still remains in limbo. What do you expect to happen? And are you concerned? I, I mean, it's probably simple, right? I mean, the Jefferson deal is probably going to get done. I don't know what's going to happen with Hunter. Do you have any insights into either? Yeah, I think it, it's certainly getting down to the wire with about two weeks before camp, and the pressure is on. But oftentimes that creates the deadline that you need to get a deal done. And sometimes the deals get done early. But I think in, this, in, in the case of these two contracts, because there are not massive salary cap implications this year to these two contracts. Now, there are in the future, obviously. <clears throat> but I think for this year, it, it makes it a little easier, especially with Jefferson. You know what? You know he has to be the highest paid receiver. You know he's going to be making over $30 million a year in new money. and But, yes, he's under contract for two more years, which makes it a little more challenging. I think the big question there, in order for him to get to that $30 million a year plateau or threshold, they almost have to do an extension that's in the 35 to $38 million a year range. And I'm not sure that the Vikings are going to want to do that. It, it may create a scenario where they actually rip up the last two years of the deal, just do a new deal. And, and you just say, when another player says, Hey, you did that for JJ. Well, okay. When you, when you're offensive player of the year, <laughs> when you're a first team, all pro, give me a call and then we'll talk about it. So I, I think certain players separate themselves and create different situations. And, and that's why, I think the solution may be just to not worry about these last two years and just do a new fresh five or six year contract at 30 million a year straight up, which really takes them to the top of the wide receiver salary scale because Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill are, when you factored in their extension and the last year of their prior deal, they were really making 28 million a year. And so I think in that regard, the Je- the Jefferson deal should not be that difficult to get done. You know what? It's going to take a big signing bonus, and I-, I think they can get it done. Hunter's deal is just more difficult because of his injury history, because they advanced money from this year's contract uh, to uh, to last year and past years. So he's only supposed to make five point four million this year, and obviously he's not going to play for that. And so I, I think he needs to be in the range where 
there are, are, are several players and we know, we know the names and uh, of the, of, of the top defensive ends in the league. And, and I don't think he should be necessarily where TJ Watt is or with Joey Bosa there in the 27 million a year range. I don't think that Daniel should be there, but I think he should be in the 22 to 23 million a year range where Khalil Mack is. Uh, where there are a couple other other defensive players, Max Crosby of the Raiders is around there. That's where he should fall. And again, it's it's not easy because of the injury history, but I think you can structure the deal with some roster bonuses. Uh, and, and it could be fairly significant. Maybe there's a million to $2 million in active roster bonuses that would be in Hunter's deal on a per game basis so that he has to be on the field to maximize the contract. I think that makes sense for him. But to me, anybody who thinks that the Vikings can get by without Daniil Hunter in Brian Flores' new defense, that he's going to pull all these magic tricks out of the hat without Hunter, there's no way. They have got to have him in that lineup. Otherwise, I think the pass rush is going to be real shaky knows Zadarius Smith, and even though we know Zadarius wasn't as good a player in the second half of the season, they need DJ Wanham to come on. They need Marcus Davenport to stay healthy and produce like he did two years ago for the Saints when he had nine-plus sacks. Patrick Jones, another guy. But that pass rush is so critical, and especially with a suspect secondary with a bunch of newbies at cornerback, it's – it's a real crapshoot, I think, going on in that defense this year, and which could be the team's downfall in the final analysis. But if some of these guys come on, if they get Hunter signed, if Davenport plays well, if Andrew Bruce Jr. and Caleb Evans stay healthy and Byron Murphy Jr. stays healthy and, and they produce at the level that their expectation was as high draft picks, maybe it can all come together. And if Lewis seen develops a role in this defense and Harrison Smith stays at, at, a, at a fairly high level, even in, in his early thirties. There are so many question marks on defense, but Hunter is a must. And, and even though Jefferson said that, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll show up for training camp, but if he's not, if his extension is not done. If I was his agent, I would certainly say, yeah, you can show up, you can go to meetings, you can go to walkthroughs. Do not, participate in things like those joint practices with the Titans and the Cardinals. And he won't play in preseason games anyway. We know that, but they need to get him done. I think it's a signal to the whole team that your best player is a priority. Get that contract done. And I think that will happen. Hunter's deal. I wouldn't be surprised if it lasts a little bit into training camp, but again, he's can be fined for missing time because he's under contract. So Certainly the challenge is there for, for Kwesi, Adolfo Menza, the GM, and for Rob Brzezinski to get these deals done in the next two and a half weeks before that first practice on whatever is July 31st or whatever, 29th, whatever it is. I think it's, I think it's 29th, but I'll, I can double check that. We'll have that information to everybody uh, here soon. It feels like to me that there are two different vibes, Jeff. Uh, maybe in you know with your connections, you can probably speak to this. It feels like the Jefferson deal – it's going to get done. It's just a negotiation between two parties that want it to happen. My question with the Hunter contract is, do you think Hunter is uh, 
upset or offended enough by the process that uh, that he doesn't really want to be here, or do you think it's just a negotiation? I I really think it's it's more of a negotiation. I think he understands that the process. I think Daniel's a smart enough guy that he knows what's going on, and I think he's comfortable here in Minnesota. I think he likes his teammates and has a good rapport with with the, with the coaching staff. Now he may not know Flores very well yet. Obviously, he hasn't been here, but I don't get the sense that Daniel wants out. But as you said, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and and how frustrated he could be with everything that's happened. But I think if, if he was at that point, we would have heard a, a trade demand out of his agent more vociferously at this point in time than we have heard. So I think the fact that it's quiet is is good news, I think, for the Vikings. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, all right, for today, let's get a final thought from Jeff. Next week, we're going to talk about Dalvin Cook, uh, whether he has signed or not. We're talking about DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I know Jeff wrote about him recently. We'll get into what free agency, what free agents could still come in play. And we'll talk more about the Netflix special as it advances, too. Uh, once again, thanks to WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. And thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Check out TalkNorth.com for all the sports shows outdoor shows and variety shows for today jeff wrap it up with a, a final thought for us yeah i think just in, in general i think the the fun part of looking forward to training camp is just that competition for open starting positions and we talked a little bit about that in the past but but i think we're all going to have our eye on <coughs> some of these key training camp battles and and we've talked about that 49er quarterback situation with brock purdy who appears to be progressing well towards a return from that elbow injury. And how does that play out for Trey Lance? Is he going to be a guy that gets showcased in preseason and, and possibly even traded? But does he have trade value when when he has had, when the 49ers invested so much to trade for him? And there's a obviously kind of a, a personal from the Minnesota standpoint, interest in Trey Lance because he's from Marshall, Minnesota. And I think that'll be interesting to see what, what happens there. But the, the problem for the 49ers is that, that if they traded Lance or cut him, they would take a big cap hit on his, on him, like $11 million versus if they ended up cutting or trading Sam Darnold, they can actually save a few million dollars. So it's going to be one to watch that situation along with, other competitions in training camp around the league, including that Viking cornerback situation that I mentioned, that will be really fascinating. And how quick can, can players such as, as Blackman and Ward, the Vikings third and fourth round picks, can they come on and, and be competitive and potentially step into the lineup in year one? So lots to look forward to. I think when, when training camp hits in a couple of weeks, but but meanwhile, I guess we'll just enjoy the last couple of weeks of, of peace and quiet before camp. <laughs> uh, things will happen, as you know, uh, from your career. You know, something's going to pop. There will always be news in the NFL. So good stuff from Jeff. Thanks again to Brandon. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>